This podcast is sponsored by Drax. As the UK's largest renewable electricity generator, Drax plays a critical role in UK energy security. They have committed to invest £2.5 billion in new green energy infrastructure, creating jobs and growth across the country. Find out more at Drax.com. Hello and welcome to Coffee House Shots. I'm James Heal and I'm joined today at the Labour Party conference by Katie Pauls and Isabel Hardman. We've just heard on day three of the Labour conference a Keir Starmer speech. Isabel, what was your reaction to that? I think it was a speech that did exactly what the Labour Party wanted Keir Starmer to do. It's not going to be one that's going to go down in the, you know, the, the Labour history book as one that changed the face of the party or uh, that was full of particularly soaring rhetoric or anything like that. But... It showed, as the rest of this conference has, that Keir Starmer and his front bench are really quite serious about trying to win now to the extent that they're actually thinking practically about what they want to do when they're in government. Um, I thought it was quite striking that the central announcement was of this great British energy company, a publicly owned company, and that got the biggest and most emotional standing ovation um, in the hall which will be dedicated to um, generation of uh, energy, not supplying it straight to domestic customers. Um, But it was interesting because I have to admit that earlier in the week, and I think I said this on the podcast, that the announcement by Louise Haig, the Shadow Transport Secretary, of bringing the railways back into public ownership, I thought that was a bit of an aberration, whereas actually it's apparently a central tenet of Starmerism, that there are going to be these you know, publicly owned companies. Uh, they're not nationalising existing companies or anything like that, but the, 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 the Labour Party's view of the state is of one that is actively involved in different sectors in a way that it isn't at the moment. And I thought that was, that was very interesting. It was something that pleased the hall, but also given the way in which the, you know, the political window, the Overton window, as people like to call it, um, has moved as a result of COVID, that kind of state activity is much less frightening than it was when it was being talked about under Ed Miliband. Yeah, I think what was interesting for me watching that speech is how the change of Tory leader has ultimately moulded what Keir Starmer can say and, and how he stands on it. When Boris Johnson was leader, you would have these speeches where it was all about character and about how Boris Johnson was a man of bad character and Keir Starmer was trying to pitch himself as um, you know the more reasonable person. And I think that always struggled a bit in the sense that Keir Starmer might come across as the more honourable person, but also in politics, I think that we often say you want a nice leader, but actually... You have to have a political edge, and actually, if anything, it sort of has made Keir Starmer not come across as particularly political, uh, something as Shadow Cabinet complained about. Whereas now against Liz Truss, I think you have a situation where it's not so much about character. So instead, it's about this ideological difference. It's clear of blue water. Boris Johnson was very successful occupying this big centre ground in a way that made it very tricky for Labour to attack. Now, they would try and say, oh, he, you know, he's this evil hard right Tory, you know, some people in Labour would, but what drove them out privately was the fact that he would take these contrary positions and actually, you know, for example, on net zero, he was very pro net zero. Um, obviously, we can see the Labour Party is really trying to push to show that they, uh, you know, the, the greenest government. That's partly because the Green Party want to bring those voters in, but also for reasons. And I think that Liz Truss, by actually being a lot more ideological than Boris Johnson, 
things like the banker's bonus, 45p rate, but also just being against the windfall tax. It just makes Starmer, I think it's easier for Starmer because he can just point out the fact that he is actually in a different place. And it's not even so much that Labour have come up with this fantastic original new vision. They simply just need to say, right now, actually, we don't think the top earners should get a tax cut or banker's bonus aren't something weird do. And you already have differentiated yourself. And I, and I think that for those reasons, he just sounded a lot more confident. I still think it is obviously benefiting from the fact the Tories are in a difficult place and the timing of the speech in the sense that one thing that you can say he's different ideologically but secondly because the markets have reacted as they have done to the mini budget it just makes it a lot more credible when Keir Starmer talks about Labour's plans or tries to you know talk about fiscal competence because they can just point to what's happening in the news elsewhere and, and I think for that reason in a way I think that it was his most one of his probably his most successful leader speech that I've seen because he is benefiting from the changes within the Tory party. He's also benefiting from changes within his own party in terms of the membership. So he got a very warm reception in the hall today, which is completely different to, to what happened last year, where uh, he was heckled repeatedly. You know, that heckling was helpful. He'd obviously scripted lines for that heckling. But this time he had 14 standing ovations. I noticed probably about six people who resolutely sat down throughout, uh, and not, I suspect, because of any mobility issues, um, but because they just vehemently disagree with him. But that's pretty good going, actually, for the party to have changed in its its mood over that time. And if you, you know, talk to uh, people working for Starmer. The funny thing is, is they're actually quite relieved that they've lost nearly 100,000 members over the past um, year, uh, because most of those members, in, in their view, really shouldn't have been Labour anyway, or at least weren't the kind of Labour party that, that they wanted to sell to the electorate. And that's why if you talk to you know lots of Shadow Cabinet members, they will say the reason the atmosphere of this conference is good is that the people who are members now and who've come to this conference are overwhelmingly pro-Starmer, which is a really weird thing to say because you sort of expect that with a party, but it's not always the case. And I, I suspect we're going to see um, or experience a rather different atmosphere next week at the Conservative Party conference, even though they've only just elected a new leader. Katie, what do you think about the criticism that it's not enough for Starmer to engage in attacking the, the government, attacking the Tories, but also about setting out a sort of positive agenda? Do you think today's speech went a bit way to addressing that criticism? Yeah, I mean, he announced new policy ideas. He had his own vision. I think he's still still separating yourself free opposing what the Tories are doing. I mean, I think we can say, oh, we need more policy. And actually, if you count at the number of policies Labour have announced, you know, they've They've announced quite a lot of policy. It's quite hard to sometimes put your finger on what it would be to say, oh, now this is an inspiring vision and people are voting for Keir Starmer and not because um, they're upset about their mortgage rates. Um, because this great British energy generation <laughs> yes. company is going to make such a tangible exactly. difference. Exactly. So I, I think he went some of the way there. I, if it's saying what Labour did right in that speech as opposed to not saying what the Tories did wrong, I think probably the most compelling moment I thought was near the end when he said this is a Labour moment and he listed, you know, this is the moment for the Labour Party, for a Labour government and he listed the, uh, the you know, the times that... 1945, 64, 97. Exactly. Mm. And to say that, you know, this is it and I think that if you can capture the mood of, of you know, of, of where we are now, of all the problems facing the country and say that Labour is a party that has the solutions which is what he's trying to do there and I thought that certainly landed well in the hall now, of course it would, you don't really have any critics in the hall but then, then I think you can start to see that, you, you know, 
where we are in terms of the debate we're having can start to move very comfortably onto Labour's territory. And, and I do think the pivot the Tories have done, which is a, a gamble, is does mean that there is a chance that does happen. And Isabel, also, let's talk about the delivery of the speech as well, because it seemed a more confident delivery than Kistama's previous conference speeches. Do you think now he's growing more into the role? And as the Conservatives are now, what, 17 points behind, there's a real sense that Labour is starting to look like an alternative government and they're trying to get the impression that they're ready for office. Yeah, I think it's, it's both of those things. It's just the confidence you get when things are, one way or the other, going your way. But also, I think he has got much more comfortable... Um, in how he's going to deliver speeches. Uh, so not just he's had the practice, but also he's sort of... Um, and I think anyone who's done public speaking will know this, or indeed anyone who's done teaching, you sort of start to know your way around your own speaking style and what is going to work for you and how to set out a speech and whether, you know, whether memorising it's going to help you or, or, or whatever. I think he's got into a... He's, he's hit his stride, um, as far as I, I can work out, that he... He knows how to deliver a speech. And that sounds like a ridiculous thing to say, but you could tell that he knew what was coming next and that gave him a confidence to to sort of present it with the right kind of force rather than sort of thinking, as you'd often see public speakers thinking, how much longer have I got left? <laughs> and, you know, it was, it was... It could have been longer... I'm not saying it should have not, been. Not as long as last, last year. Yeah, exactly. Say. Last year's was too Don't long. Don't wish this on a <laughs> I know, I didn't say it should have been longer. Just to clarify, this is not, this is not a spectator. And after lunch as well. Yeah, well, some <laughs> of us haven't had our lunch yet, just, just saying. But um, it wasn't the longest speech, and so that probably helped as well. Katie and Isabel, thank you very much, and thank you for listening.